Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast, bright and early on a Monday morning. The sun is shining, autumn is in the air. We are post the Doncaster St Ledger Festival final classic of the season out the way. Won't be long until the jump season is finally upon us, but in the meantime, we have plenty to get stuck into because a good few markets have moved post Doncaster and so a few horses to get through and news topics too. Joined as always by Brendan Duke who's in great form because the golf is going well of all things Brendan. Yes the, uh, the, 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 the golf is going well. I slightly disgraced myself with some podcast related gammonry during the week at, at the races but the uh, my golfers have redeemed me. Brilliant, brilliant. Kevin Blake is in his usual car park as he tends to be these days and he's found a nice smart one for us today but the mood is good post the Racing League win and we will be discussing that in the news section. Isn't that right Kev? We've got to give it its due course after giving you short shrift on Thursday was it when we recorded? Yeah, 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 absolutely. A glorious day for the country. Better than any Olympic medal we've ever won. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talking about it. Um, this time of year, I find myself in car parks a lot. Uh, with uh, with with in the sale season, etc. So um, yeah, the the Whitewater Car Park in Newbridge is the lucky recipient uh today. So yeah, shout out for the shout out to them. Love it. All right, and TC, as for you, uh, how successful or unsuccessful was the Doncaster St Ledger meeting from your point of view? Tipping wise, car crash. Um, I made a little bit on Saturday because. Uh, couple of lays came in but uh pretty much a week to forget all right okay good positive start to kick the show off let us begin with uh, i could lie and say i've had it right off but no that would be i know and we love your truth we love your truth um but tc i'm going to come to you first for the st ledger itself please Cause continuous wins it for Ryan Moore, Aidan O'Brien, adding another group one and another classic to their season he has now been cut in the arc betting to eight to one, but he would need to be supplemented for that. He's been put into the arc betting, sorry, at eight to one, supplemented for that. And he's been cut for the champion stakes from 20s to 10s off the back of this St. Ledger performance. Um, TC, this was a race I know you had a lot of sort of interest in betting wise, but also you have been dissecting from a long way out. Yeah. Did it pan out in the end in the way you thought it might with the rest going off favourite? Was that somewhat of a surprise to you? Um, it was kind of like back from eights to threes um, earlier in the week. Um, no, the betting really didn't surprise me. I got it totally wrong. Um, I had continuous down as a dubious stayer, and I do know the team there had similar stamina doubts. Uh, but obviously, that that was kind of like proved totally wrong. Um, I think that performance. I think he's going to be rated in the low one twenties after that performance. Um, and I can see why they would consider the arc. Um, showed it um, showed form on the soft ground. Um, previously, you know, very good form on quicker surface. So yeah, um, I think the horse has massively blossomed. They've always thought of it, it was a high class colt. Uh, I think I said they had a real bad setback ten days before the Dante, so they were overwhelmed by that performance. So yeah, um, yeah, I think he's just the coming force in the division. And when. When you look at the art betting, you know, Ace Impact, Hookham, um, you know, getting the three-year-old allowances, you know, he's going to be he's going to be bang up there. Um, Arrest ran very well. Um, King's Horse ran all right. Um, I thought I was I thought I was in business with Tower of London. Um, two furlongs out. I didn't watch it uh, live on Betfair, but 
I wasn't in the least bit surprised to see it traded at low at six to four in running Tower London because I was getting pretty jiggy two three out and but when Crowley went for him, just very disappointing response. And yeah. Crowley hasn't had a winner since he's come back. And again, I know I go on about him, but he just looks as weak as a kid, Crowley. Um, but uh, no, um, got it wrong, but continuous, very, very good horse going forward. And if they supplement it for the arc, I think he's probably going to be second favourite. Interesting. Okay, so general positive view from TC then in regards to the winner, despite the fact the race didn't go the way you would have liked. But Brendan, in terms of the way the race panned out, there was a great side shot of Continuous going past Gregory, who'd obviously been up with the pace, as mm. if Gregory was in a trot and he was sort of in a full full gallop, as in, you know, he just went past Gregory very easily indeed. And arrest for all he ran a good race, just didn't have that same turn of foot when needed. And for me, continuous, the more I've watched it back, the more impressed I've been with it, I think, is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, cer certainly the way he travelled through that race would suggest he'd have, no he'd have no problem dropping back and trip uh, for the arc. The soft ground should be no problem. I thought it was remarkably handled the quick ground so well in the Baltimore, given his pr pronounced knee action. And I think he will be supplemented for the arc because, Vanessa, far be it from me to question the word of a demigod. But what the hell is Aidan O'Brien doing? Doing with the arc. He has the Derby winner in, in, in the stable who's just won an Irish champion stakes. And he's saying, no, 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 we're not going for the arc, which bear in mind, he's only won twice. In relative terms, that's a slightly disappointing return for, for, for Aidan O'Brien. And he's saying, no, no, we're going to go with Luxembourg and save the last dance, who, with them, are, are probably not going to win this. I mean, if, if, if I was Aiden, and I'm not, I would bang continuous in and bang warm heart in as well because she'd have a squeak, but he's all over this Breeders' Cup beating. He's, he's, he's got California-itis. He's, he wants to send her for the Phillies I think she's made for it. He wants to send all of them uh, for, for, for the Breeders' Cup tour. So I say, get him in the arc. I'm not I wouldn't be sure be as sure as Tony that he'd be quite as high up the betting as that, but he'd have a legitimate chance in the race and I expect him to run. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of Breeders' Cup focus for Aidan O'Brien's best sort of three-year-olds this season, obviously Warmheart and August Rodan, both, as Brendan's already said, being sort of flagged up as that's their end-of-season target. But in terms of continuous, Kev, um, I didn't know what you made of the, I thought the pace of the race was interesting because on sectionals, I think it was pretty even gallop throughout um, but yet continuous clearly travelled supremely easily, if not a bit too keenly. And that was backed up by Ryan's comments afterwards, where he said, you know, I think he's, he mentioned something about them going very slow or a crawl early on. But actually, the the times, I don't think, suggest that. So he's obviously a horse who can just travel so easily in these sort of races. Yeah, look, you'd have to be impressed with him. Like the time before... He was impressive, but you got the impression that he was kind of well positioned in a race where a few went a bit went a bit over the top, um, pace wise, mid race, etc. So my my own view of him was, yeah, he looked really good there, and he he could be just as good as he looks there, but, but um, in a more orthodox race where he doesn't have quite such the run of it, will he be will he be just as good? And we got her answer here because he was, um, and the race wasn't run, um, as in his favor as it had been in the Great Voltager, um. I'd say I, I'd agree with the lads like in that I don't envisage him having a big problem coming back in trip, but I wouldn't be as keen for the arc 
Um, that look, look, history is littered with examples of horses that looked really good in the ledger and had a go at the arc, and it just doesn't tend to work out. Um, like it's only a two week gap. Um, you know, just uh, especially if he shortens up to the extent that Tony's anticipating, he just wouldn't be for me. Um, you'd imagine he'll be one that'll come back next year. Um, another uh, Japanese bred one for for Cool Moore, like Jesus the. The strike right there is uh, has been absolutely phenomenal. We've seen mostly with deep impact, but um, there's been a couple of hearts cries and a couple of um, Lord Canaloas and like, geez, the amount of good horses that that, that experiment has thrown up is something else. And uh, yeah, you'd have to be impressed with him. Can he win an arc? Wouldn't be for me, but um, yeah, would be looking forward to seeing how he develops going forward. All right, Kevin. Just, just one thing before we move on. Isn't the fact that the horse didn't go to Epsom and wasn't even put in the arc? I think the stamina really has surprised them. Because mm-hmm. how many how many horses does O'Brien have and how many are they mass entered? So Yeah. Well maybe maybe the class maybe kind of the class has surprised them. Um because like he wasn't really campaigned as a like one of their better ones would be. Like, you know, he went to he went to San Clou for group three as a two year old. You know, he went to the Dante, you know. That's generally, I know it's a, it's a major trial, but it wouldn't be the one that they'd send, you know, one of the ones to traditionally. Um, like, I wonder, has he just kind of surprised them a little bit in terms of how much he's progressed and how good he's proven to be? And um, the entry would, would, would hint at that too. But yeah, I can see the angle there, Kev, but it would be contradictory to kind of what Ryan, uh, I know, you know, Aiden can sort of say those sort of quotes post, post-race, but Ryan, I was quite taken with his comments on both ITV and Sky in regards to the fact that he was quite adamant that they, they've always thought this horse was a class act at home. He just hasn't had the opportunity to put it together. But anyway, look, time will tell. Let's uh, move on. Kev Trushan. One of the biggest cuts for an anti-post market has come in the long distance cup on Champions Day, having won obviously the Doncaster Cup. Trushan's now five to one from 14. So many people thought he was gone at the game, had the wind operation, disappointed of late, older horse, and then comes here off the back of that new wind up and the back of a break and delivers a performance which was pretty I, I mean I love seeing it because it's just so not how you see races being won e.g. pulling far too hard in the early stages Holly Doyle gives up halfway in terms of trying to fight him lets him go comes up the middle of the track and manages to win against stayers who we all thought at this time in Trushan's career would be able to put it up to him but of course beat Coltrane and others um, just a remarkable performance from the old boy I don't know if he'll be able to back it up in the long distance cup but I love to see it yeah, it was it was great to see. Um, I was one of those that thought he was gone. Yeah. Um, and while I suppose the instinct is to say, "Well, Alan King's got him back," fair play to everyone involved. I, I suspect he probably is still gone in relative terms. Yeah. Um, like like for me, this race went went to bits. Um, Coltrane didn't run his race. You know, Sweet William for all his progression is rated one hundred and three. Uh, the Grand Vizier rated ninety three is beaten less than five lengths. Um, Trushan has done loads wrong as he often has in his career and has managed to win but if you stuck him back in um in, in a real tip-top staying race against um against the best around at their peak do I think he can compete um set myself up for a fall here I don't think so personally um I don't think so um great that they've got him back for another big day and um, like he's not an old horse but he does have mileage and he's hard on himself um, so look, look well done to all concerned. But I would, um, in terms of the bigger picture, once you get away from the the the, the emotion of it, I, I'd probably urge a bit of caution in terms of 
reading too deeply into this. Um, and look, maybe he can improve from it first run for quite a while. Um, and obviously did loads wrong, but could I see him winning a, a, a top group one against um the likes of you know if Kiprios would say for example came back to his best. Um, I I couldn't see it myself, but uh, the very best to look to them. He's a he's a smashing horse that I'm fond of, but um, got to put the old hard head on for for this particular one. I think. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in agreement with you, Kev. Essentially, love the performance, but just wouldn't be sure he could win again. Like you say, in that tip top company. Um, TC, would you concur with those thoughts, or would you put a bit of faith in him? Are we being a bit harsh on him? Um, well, obviously, like everyone said, he did a lot wrong. The first run after a break, first run after a wind up. Um, yeah, I'm surprised that he didn't trade higher than 14s in running because I thought he was gone. And uh, Sweet William looked the winner all over, looked a bit of a dodge pot, traded at 1.148. But yeah, um, all those people ridiculed the Racing Post headline. Is this one of the best performances we've ever seen after he won the Northumberland Plate of 120? Where are the doubters now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere to be seen, TC. Nowhere to be seen. Um, Brendan, let's talk about Sumo Sam, who won the Park Hill Stakes for the Coles, backing up her performance at Goodwood from the front again, ground with cut in it. She just copes with these conditions and that sort of trip so much better than any of her peers at this stage. And the way she's progressing, the way in which she's doing it, I mean, a trip to France... An autumn trip to France for a Group One seems on the agenda, and you wouldn't put it out of like you wouldn't put it past the would you if she, if she gets her ground surely? No, well, I, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't. I was very skeptical about the Goodwood form, as indeed and anyone was was entitled to be, uh, and I, I I didn't fancy her for, uh, for the Park Hill, but she jumped out in front, went a good clip, was committed again a long way from home, and I thought at the furlong pole she wasn't going to finish in the first three. But then she was having absolutely none of it, just dug in and, and, and stuck it out all the way to the line to be a fairly handsome winner at the line. And I suppose when you get a mare improving at this time of the year, the way the way she is, that it, it is hard to see where, where her limit is. Um, and, and, and of course, she does have that uh, Marcon special thing where they have to be very conscious of not letting her get a ridiculous lead. I mean, that didn't happen in Doncaster, but it did happen in Goodwood. Mm-hmm. So she, she she could have a tactical edge in France uh, as as well. Um, I'd, yeah, uh, I, I, I was I was surprised by this performance. I'm still not not totally convinced by her because what what happened in the middle of the season. But this performance uh, uh, on uh, Thursday looked for real. So, yeah, upwards and onwards with her. Yeah, absolutely. Kev, what uh, would be the off the top of your race planning head? What is the end of season targets in France that would suit her? Um, if, it doesn't come too, if it doesn't come too soon, you could go for the, the pre-royal year. Um, yeah, that's first, it, yeah. Group one, Phillies, mile six. Um, if it doesn't come too soon, don't know if she's in that. I'd have to I go. think that is what they were talking about, yeah. Yeah, that'd be the that'd be the obvious one. There's a nice program there for that type of filly that stays a mile six. In fairness, um, so yeah, that that'd be the obvious one, but it's only two weeks away. So interesting. It'd be a relatively hard, you know, quick turnaround for her off the back of that run. Um, 
TC, let's move on. Uh, Carl Burke, two-year-old again, this time in a more staying capacity in Darnation, winning the May Hill, has been introduced at 20 to 1 for the Oaks next year and just continues this theme of Carl Burke's two-year-olds this season. Um, I just thought there was so much to like about her. I know she was kind of green in the closing stages a little bit, but she's got a lovely way about her. And could she, I mean, they'll probably have end of season targets for her in the short term, but as a staying filly for next year, I really hope she can she can develop into a nice one. Yeah, they're talking about going to the Boussac. Um, Carl Burks, you know, just acknowledged the fact that, you know, beaten on good ground on a debut, running to a low level of form. The progress has come on soft ground, so he thinks she might be ground dependent. That's why they're going to the Boussac and not thinking about supplementing with the Phillies mile. Um, yeah, I mean, in fact, she won over, she's won over a mile on soft ground at two. She's probably already edging towards outstaying the pedigree. Uh, you you guys will know better than me, but um, two darn hot out of unraced, albeit a Galileo mare, she's probably not copper bottom to stay a mile two, let alone a mile four. But the way that she's won over a mile on, on two-year-olds is, uh, is obviously promising. So I wouldn't be getting involved for the Oaks, that's for sure. But she's clearly... Uh, a big contender. Um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to totally rule out the Oaks, um, just because like two darn hot was, was like a lot faster than his pedigree suggested. He probably should have, like, as he he was really stoutly bred, um, and he was always just a bit faster than it, um, and like there's loads of stamina on the dam side, so I, I wouldn't like to totally rule it. I would like a, like two darn hot. You'd have to say from a bloodstock point of view, if you're into that. Like, he's starting to really, really get going now. Like, he was one of the more high-profile first-season sires this year. Like, he obviously stood for a lot of money, but it's um it's starting to happen now, in fairness. Fallen Angel, and now this one. And he's had a bunch of kind of 90-plus two-year-olds as well. So, it's um it's starting to happen. And just because he, he was what he was in terms of being a bit faster than his pedigree, like, it can often be the case that... um you know, that stamina back on their own dam side can start to come out in their progeny. Um, like a, a example, um Muharar would be a good example. Like obviously an yeah. sprinter himself, but like now like his progeny are like staying far better than they should be. But you delve back into his own pedigree and you can you can sort of make sense of it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was one now because like he, he was out of Dare Me, like a real old middle distance family. Um so while he was faster than he should have been you know, that stamina might might skip a generation and come true in his progeny. Yeah, it will be fascinating to see and hopefully we might get to see it with Darnation. Uh, if we're talking about two-year-olds, Brendan, let's cover the champagne stakes now. Um, Iberian has moved from 16s to 8s for the Dewhurst and from 40s to 20s for the 2000 Guineas next year, um, wins the Champagne Stakes for the Hills operation, well-beaten Rosalian back in third, the favourite, disappointed for the Hannon Yards, but the winner decisive in the end, I'm just... I, 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 I just, I'm nervous of the form of this race. We spoke about it on Racing Any Better beforehand. I know you weren't on that show, but we did in terms of it didn't look a top-class renewal of the Champagne Stakes. And I don't think, looking back on it, we'll look at it as a top-class renewal either. 
just very briefly, Vanessa, I'm not uh, trying to custard pie you here or anything, but just very briefly, I thought I might mention uh, for, for the listeners that I saw Carl Burke do an interview after Darnation's win, and he was talking about his master plan of sending Fallen Angel to the Finney's Mile and Darnation to the pre-Marcel Boussac. All good, but he said that the boy Parkin might not be on board with Fallen Angel going for the Phillies mile. So that might just be something for listeners to bear in mind. But back to back to Iberian, back to business. Yes, well, when I was ragging on the English two-year-olds, one of my great hopes for the English two-year-olds was Rosalian, who I'd been so impressed with at Ascot. And I thought the form, I really rate the second and third in that race, and he kicked them out of the way. So I was disappointed that he couldn't get it done here. First run on soft ground, maybe... Uh, th- that that was a issue. I'll give him a pass. I think Iberian, uh, more professional than he was in the vintage states at Goodwood. Um, he, he showed an impressive turn of foot and looked good. Uh, but we do have to bear in mind the shadow cast by City of Troy over this division because for all I've been a bit from Goodwood, he was beaten a length by Hata, who was well humbled let's be honest by, by city of, of, of troy in newmarket and i suspect with iberian and other english tools they will be vanessa mere acolytes bowing down to pay homage to the greatness of city troy in the jewer stakes just just mention about that race when we did the twitter spaces at atm on saturday morning um rascallion was 1.4 now nearly hit evens towards the off went off at a bet ferris beer 1.86 now Albeit in the morning, you know, only about 10% of the liquidity has arrived, but someone called that right and called it right properly. Um, I know someone who was at the track, apparently Hannon was absolutely crestfallen, um, you know, maybe blaming the ground, but yeah, somebody called that right market-wise. Okay. Yeah, I just thought, I, I, I like Iberian. I do like Iberian. I wouldn't like to downplay him. Like, I don't think that's his ground. Like, I think his connections... Like really feel that he wants better ground and, and he moves that way. And yeah, I'd say you're right to pick at the form, Vanessa, in fairness. Like the, the clock wouldn't have said anyone alight and it has the look of windy form, but that's not to say that Iberian can't be a, a real good horse. And okay. I think he's going to I think he's going to be next year's horse. And um yeah, I, I do like him now. I do like him. But he might, Vanessa, might not have been the best three-year-old prospect we saw in a in a two-year-old race at Doncaster this week. Okay. Who are Come you? Come on, team me up. You have it. Come on. Who, who are you leaning towards? Um, I I was really impressed with Dancing Gemini. Oh, I thought um, you were going to be Big Evs. <laughs> no, well, Big 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 Evs goes without saying. Everyone saw Big Evs and it looks like a rocket ship, etc. And that, that's, that's all fine. But Dancing Gemini... Um, maybe got left a shade in the in the shadow of Big Evs, um, who came out half an hour later and and then did what he did. But yeah, geez, I like I like this dancing Gemini. I think this could be a real good one for for Roger Teal. Um, don't even know if he wants the ground that way. Um, but gee, he was impressive. I thought now, and he was impressive the time before. He he was very good on the clock the time before, and he was like this was this was the standout performance of the day on the clock. Wow. Um and yet I think it's flown under the radar a bit. Like I, I think this is a Group One horse, which which is probably a somewhat of a big statement after winning a listed race on your fourth start. But um, I I think this is a Group One horse. Um, I was impressed with him. I'm really impressed with him. Well, um, look, and you, you, 
you can pick I'm the job to with now, but I'm happy. I'm happy to stand over him. I think I think he's a very very nice colt. Yeah, fair credit to you. Gave him a good shout out on Racing Only Better and he delivered for you. And he's been cut to 20 to 1 from 66s for the Futurity Stakes. But actually, Roger Teal afterwards, I think, was saying that, you know, just see how he comes out of it. He's definitely, you know, Guinea's prospect for next year. And so in the short term, they were just going to just play it by ear for the rest of this season, essentially. Just, just very good. I mean, Roger Teal won that race with Tip to Win. Um, a few years back, and that went on to run second to Saxon Warrior in the Guineas. So it may not be pie in the sky, but obviously Ross Gallion beat that horse by 15 lengths at Ascot. So maybe Ross Gallion is the real deal, and we didn't see it on Saturday. Uh, I think I think that race was just too much too soon for him. You know, Camelot July. You know, after you know went into it a maiden. I think he just I think he just filled his trousers. Yeah. It, it was too it was too much for him at the time, but. Like his two sin, in fairness to him, like it, it seemed to crown him because his, his two efforts since then have been like sig- up significantly on that. Um, so yeah, look, if we don't see him again, by the sounds of it, we won't see him again this season. But geez, I do like him now. I think he's, I think he's very nice. I think that it stacks up, um, time wise and everything else. And yeah, a lovely cold. Okay, one to look forward to for sure and for uh, the smaller operation as well. We like that angle. few others to rattle through just before we get on to news because we need to get to that section. Uh, quick mention for Sandrine. Brendan, who won the Park Stakes, seven furlong group two and has been cut to 12 to one from 20s for the champion sprint. Sandrine was actually another one for Daryl Carter on Racing Only Better. But that race sort of saw the disappointment of Scott's spy catch her a little bit. But Sandrine, to be fair to her, she's consistent type, seven furlongs when it goes her way. She can do it on good ground. She can do it on softer ground. And... I think, you know, they'll have a few more pots to go at at the end of this season with her, even maybe even over in America for the Breeders' Cup. Oh, right. OK, I'd, I'd be slightly concerned about her on really quick ground. Now, I know, I know, as you say, she she is ground versatile. I was leaning towards the uh, the champion sprint because she, she'll get deep ground o- over six furlongs. Now, she has always come up short in Group 1 company, um, but... The, she turned around the, the 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 form with audience on on their previous start in some start in, in some style maybe maybe the ground helped a, a little bit the bark horse slightly disappointing back in third spy catcher I, I'll grant you that but I just feel like as you have mentioned before there have been quite a few turnups in sprint races in Britain and Ireland this year haven't there so I I wouldn't dismiss her chance uh, in, in in a champion sprint and um, I I feel like anything could happen in that race and she's a legitimate runner all right well she's currently as i say 12 to 1 for that champion sprint on champions day um quick mention to mick appleby he had a good week the aforementioned big ebbs getting back to winning ways in the flying childers and he won the portland uh with the top weighted anaf who's now nine to one for the air gold cup but let's move on and mention just very quickly sunday's racing saw matilda picot win the scepter stakes just the group three, and I guess, Brendan, she was probably entitled to do that on her early season form. But the mm. way she did it, I was just so taken with her. I just think there's more ability in Matilda Picot than we've currently seen. And this was a step back towards seeing the very best of her, which I hope will be the next step she takes. Yeah, I mean, she has had a busy campaign, in fairness to her. I saw 
I sort of had her pigeonholed as limited. I mean, she she, she ran well in Tipperary the, the previous time, but Clever and Cool walked out of the traps and still ran her down. Um, but it, it, I, I was very I was very impressed with her on Sunday. I, 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 how could you be anything but? And she seems to be thriving on her workload. So, uh, yeah, uh, good, good luck to them. I, I, I have no idea what they're going to going to do with her next, but they'll probably fit in a couple more rooms. Yeah, you'd think so. And you 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 have a pigeonhole that's limited. I think lots of people have a pigeonhole that's a bit tricky. And I wonder if just the days where she's kind of disappointed, specifically Goodwood, she just was in one of her like naughty, naughty sort of moods. She was cheeky pre-race that day. I think she was walked to the start. I just don't think her mind was in the game. But I think when her mind is in the game, she's got an engine. But anyway, I just have a soft spot for her. Um, yeah. uh, I think Tony does as well, doesn't he? Or what? Matilda Picard. Matilda Picard. Um, no, she disappointed when I backed her previously. Oh, right, okay. Ah, you've thrown her under the bus there. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on, guys. News and views, please. Um, plenty to get through. Should we start with the big news story of the week with Luke Coma? I think we probably should. Um, don't worry, Kev. We will get to racing league in due course. Yes, but I thought it's this is the big story of the week, surely. Come on, who's who? What's the editorial setup here at all? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest doping scandal in Irish racing history. Nothing compared to the racing league. <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. Well, that's what that that's what the racing post headline was, wasn't it? Biggest doping scandal ever to hit Irish racing. Luke Comer has been hit with a eight hundred and forty k fine. Um, and no, been... no, no, that's that that's costs. Well, costs, sorry, sorry, costs and the fine combined, isn't it? Legal costs, I think yeah. 80% of the IHRB's legal costs and then the fine on top, which means that he's got to pay in the region of 840k. But that number really isn't the important number here. It's more that his license has been suspended for three years by the IHRB after uh, 12 of his horses tested positive for anabolic steroids in October and November for, of 2021. Uh, this emerged after a hair sample was taken from He Knows No Fear after a race, and then um, the IHRB conducted out-of-competition testing for Comas horses and found 11 more positives. Um, there's loads to get through here, Kev. We, of course, will start with you here. Um, but he is appealing this. He is going to appeal this. And he's thrown a lot of resource already at the case because the investigation did not conclude that the steroids have been administered deliberately. So essentially, at the moment, it is still a bit of a mystery as to how these anabolic steroids found them, their way into 12 of his runners, 12 of his horses. Um, there's loads of different layers here, loads have come out. And as I said, um, he is going to appeal this. So we must bear that in mind going forward. But what were your takeaways from the document that was released and the results of the, was it a nine day hearing? I think it was. Yeah, sure. Look, geez, where do you start? Um, uh, I suppose we should say from the outset that, like you say, Luke doesn't tend to appeal. Um, he very punchily maintained his innocence there in quotes to the Irish Times, um, essentially said couldn't be more innocent. Um, but look, when people read through the, the case and the findings, um, they, they can draw their own conclusions um, like unprecedented for 12 horses in the one stable to be found with anabolic um steroids present in their systems um like like just doesn't happen like Mahmoud Al-Zaruni would be the only time we've had anything remotely as severe as that in um in this neck of the woods and and the whole thing is is just a bit bizarre it's quite sensational um if 
you had asked the general Irish racing public to price up what trainer they thought might <laughs> be found guilty of um, having 12 horses to be found with anabolic steroids in their system. Um, I'd imagine Luke Homer would have been a similar sort of price to what his horses generally go off in races um, because like looking, it's not to be to, to be disrespectful or, 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 or for it to sound the way it probably does, but like it, this is a remarkable operation, like for decades for for the wrong reasons. In that, like Luke Homer and his brother are two of the most like remarkably successful people in the country. Like they've started from scratch and built up a, a billion euro business. They're phenomenally successful. They clearly have a great passion for racing. They've been involved on on a, on a pretty um strong level for thirty years. Um, have invested like unbelievable money into um properties and numbers of mares and like they are sensationally unsuccessful like sensationally unsuccessful and have been for a very long time um like you can go back over 30 years and find a luke homer trained runner in the irish derby at 300 to 1 um like they've been doing what they've been doing for a very very long time with very little return on the race course um like i say the last operation you would have expected something like this to emerge with um but it has, and look, it's it's the 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 the, the tests showed what they showed. Um, Luke Comer clearly fought this incredibly hard, um, incredibly expensively. You know, flying in experts from all over the world to to make the case for him. And look, the the the, the hypothesis that they put forward to explain it, um, like like didn't didn't stand up. You no, know, no. This... So they said, um, he said in the hearing that he believed the hay fertilized was fertilized with contaminated pig slurry which caused the positive tests which then proved to be not an angle that would in any way stick because when they obviously went back through all that trail they found out that the pigs were not fed on the stuff that he thought would have caused the contamination so that whole idea didn't stick at all right yeah they, they went to great lengths to try and demonstrate this and the, the pigs that <laughs> on the pig farm that produced the slurry, that fertilized the land, that produced the hay that was fed to the horses um, were given um, a substance that they thought might have been the cause of it. But when they tested the substance, it didn't have either of these anabolics in it at all. Um, so, you know, it's one of those, you know, the, 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 the Comer team will, will, I suppose, put an emphasis on, look, it wasn't proven that we gave the, that we gave these substances to these horses. Um, which would look fundamentally be a near enough impossible thing to prove, unless in the man, like in the the, the Mahmoud Al Zaruni case, he admitted it. Um, you know, and 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 you know, went down as the the lone with the as a lone gunman essentially. Um, one one can make of that what you will as well. But um, in this case, look, it was denied unless you literally catch someone on camera with a syringe in hand, injecting the horse in question and then go and test what was in the syringe. You know, you're never going to get a smoking gun. Um, but look at this. These cases are decided on the balance of probabilities. And when one reads through the evidence, um, you know, they can make their own mind up. Um, one assumes um, Luke Comer will throw everything at this again in, in legal terms uh, on appeal um, because, look, he has the means to do so. This yeah. was clearly an extremely expensive case for the turf club to to prosecute. Um, they got 80 percent of their costs, which the number of which we know what it is. Um, Luke Comer's uh, legal expenses, in addition to that, would have been a multiple of what it costs the IHRB, I'd imagine. Um, so look, and I suppose then again, I, I could talk about this all day because there's so much to it. But something you have to emphasize is the the ultimate punishment. 
and the question the 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 the, the question that has been put forward and will inevitably be put forward every time after a big IHRB case comes to its conclusion is is the punishment proportionate and the example we will use forevermore is Rona McNally and yeah. what what sentence he got for what he did and you put this up against it and say a three-year suspension of license um, is that proportionate to what McNally got and I, I dare speculate and I know it's certainly by few um, it, it clearly isn't it clearly isn't. You know, we, we, we've we been through the mill with this whole um, drug issue in Irish racing. Um, you know, in the main, you know, we get very few positives in Irish racing relative to the amount of samples taken. And then you get a case like this, which is a shocker by any international standard. Um, what do you have to do to, 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 to get turfed out um, would be the, the obvious question to ask. This is a very severe case. Um, a, a concerning case on a level, um, well, it is a very concerning case, though I suppose one would say that the, the fears that most of us would have about performance-enhancing drugs is that, you know, people are gaining an unfair edge and results are being distorted and uh, and the, the top level of the sport is being affected, uh, whereas in a case like this, you know, it's an operation that, that hardly have any winners and generally at a low level. Um, okay. you know, I, I heard Pete Ramsen, um, you know, very renowned vet, um, on the Look podcast, and he 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 made the point, and it's a telling point. I think that basically, uh, paraphrasing, but anyone that would give their horse anabolic steroids is essentially very unsophisticated in their efforts to cheat, because steroids are are you know readily detectable. The effectiveness of them would be highly questioned in mm-hmm. thoroughbreds. You know, a lot of done enough research over the years for articles. You know, you, you can find loads of papers online and, uh, you know, with regard to steroid use in thoroughbreds. And you won't find one paper that says they're performance enhancing because it's very much contended. And okay. basically, but- if, if someone if someone was seeking to cheat, um, you'd have to be, you know, deeply unsophisticated, I'd say, to go about it with antibiotics because hair testing just, just ping, will ping them every time. Um, All right. So what... Okay, so Brendan, I'll come to you next. So what we know here is that Luke Comer is adamant he's innocent and he's going to appeal and he's throwing Mm. a lot of cash, which we know he has, at the appeal and the case itself. Um, We know that the IHRB have admitted that it it seemingly is a mystery as to how these 12 horses tested positive. Um, But at the same time, we know that Comer has admitted that he only spends three months of the year in Ireland and mm. obviously the yard is run by his son and another name was in the mix, I think, as well. Gorman, um, Gorman maybe. Yeah, that's it. Um, so I guess my point to you is knowing all the facts we know at this point, and of course we must keep reiterating that Luke is going to appeal this. Mm. How would you fit the pieces together in your mind? What do you think happened here? For 12 horses, not just one as an outlier, 12 horses in his yard to be contaminated with anabolic steroids, who, as Kevin has outlined, does not seem to have had any way a positive effect on their results. Yet this is the situation we find ourselves in through this out-of-competition hair testing. What do you think or predict has happened here? What is the answer to this mystery? Well, a mystery it is. I I, I don't envy the panel because I'm trying to... Now, Luke Homer is very much a contrarian. Does not, you know, he's a contrarian billionaire. I'd like to be as contrary as he is. But 
what I'm thinking here is he gathers the team team together. He says, I'm sick of this. We've had no success for, for how many years? We're gonna we're gonna make changes. I want to be successful in horse racing. Now the team say, right, boss, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna go to the great auction houses of Europe and tap into some premium bloodlines? Are we gonna upgrade our brood mare bands so they're not all inbred to chimes at midnight? And he says, No. No, we're going to dose them with anabolic steroids and make our moderate horses a slightly less moderate. That's the plan. And I just feel like Jim Gorman is a respected person within Irish racing and that it, it was suggested to him that this is what we're going to do, that he would walk. But having said that, having said all that, I do take your point. Again, how does it get into 12 horses? I mean, this is on a scale like that. It was a, a doping program. It makes absolutely no sense. So the, the, there, there is that, and Kevin made the point, I, I suppose the other way, if you don't have the smoking gun of the syringe, is that you can work your way into the web of conspiracy by giving people plea bargains and saying, well, who told you to do this? And then ultimately you get to the ringmaster who did orchestrate uh, this doping program, if indeed that, that, that was the case. I, I have some sympathy for, for, for the panel, and maybe three years was the most they could give, because it just makes no sense. It, it, it's just, it, they have the means and the facilities to make a noise in, in Irish racing if, if that's what Luke Comer wants. So why would he, why would he just say, okay, well, we're just going to dose these horses and maybe win it with a 60 to 80 handicap as opposed to a 0 to 50 handicap? I, I, I can't make sense of it, to be honest with you. No, I think a lot of people feel the same. But going back to one of the key points Brendan's touched upon there and Kevin did as well, TC, do, do you feel that the punishment fits the crime at this stage? Find €5,000 per 12 horses. Um, obviously, three years of his licence taken off Luke Coma, but we predict that somebody else in the yard will just take out a licence. And then obviously 80%, as we've discussed, of the IHRB's legal fees. Do you think, and the horses, of course, can't run for a number of years, but TC, do you think that the punishment does fit the crime in comparison to other punishments we've seen handed out of late in Ireland? Yeah, I think three years is fine. Um, obviously, like you said, it's appealing. It makes no sense whatsoever, does it? Um, my main take out was, you know, Go and train to be a lawyer, lads, be, uh, lads and lasses, because some of the some of the fines and costs here are astronomical, like people said, and that's without his own. So, no, it doesn't make sense on any level. Um, spectacularly shit doping program, if it is one, I suspect. I think the overriding opinion here is it's that it remains a mystery. And I'm sure with the appeal still to come, there is obviously still more to come with this Luke Coma case. So stand by for more updates on that. But yeah, and, and Vanessa, I suppose just for like, I suppose not all the listeners would kind of be familiar with the operation, like, and, and, and like they might have come across the name, like, but it is like, it's worth emphasizing just how kind of unusual it is. And like Brendan described Luke as a, as a contrarian and, like it's certainly been the case in in his time in racing, like because like don't underestimate how big this operation is. Yeah. Like as as a breeding operation and a racing operation, like they like they have some incredible facilities. They're up in Kilternan, you know, like the it's it's a it's a bigger story now. But he he bought this um hotel, like there's a famous 
hotel in Ireland that it was it was a real Celtic Tiger project. It cost like tens and tens of millions and the bubble burst just as it was about to open, basically. And Luke Comer bought it. And he's, you can go on to Google Earth there. It's very close to Leopardstown, south of Leopardstown. And he's put in this like unbelievable gallop and this like four lane walker that's just like otherworldly stuff. And he's all these other yards bought all over the place. Palmerstown there beside Goffs and like right. there going, going back kind of seven or eight years ago, like he would have bought like literally over 100 broodmares at the sales over the course of a couple of years, all for very small money. Like he went to the sales and bought horses like Dick Whittington and a few other um entires to use as his own stallions. And like the underlying theory is basically it's a it's a numbers game. And if I produce a hundred horses every year, I'll get a group one horse eventually. You know, I think I I, I gather that that's okay. that's what that's what's always said is the underlying theory. Um, it hasn't been working out brilliantly well. And, and people would always say it's such a pity because the man has such a means. Um, he uh, he clearly really loves racing and has been doing this for 30 years and the lack of success hasn't discouraged them and if no. they if they went about it in a more orthodox way like they could be like leading players in the game you know and okay. it's just they're, they're doing it their own way and and here we are they're doing it their own way and it's definitely not conventional and it definitely hasn't seen the results they clearly should be getting considering the facilities and the money they've put into it but each their own as we often say on this pod uh, let's move on because we've got to think, talk all things racing league. Very exciting. The season has wrapped up and it was a win for Team Ireland. Finished bottom of the table the last two years and then this year climbed from the bottom to the very top in a very exciting final at Southall on Wednesday. Uh, big crowd there. I was there. Full ITB team, full Sky Sports racing team and Kevin Blake hopping and skipping around the place because he managed to claw the victory in the dying few races, really. It was still close right to the end and we waited for the mass to be added up and it went your way, Kev. And look, we've seen lots of your celebrations on social media and anyone who was watching on the night. But just to summarise, it was a serious effort from you, in fairness. I know you put in a lot of effort to get to that point. And, you know, you and Jamie Osborne were definitely two of the team captains who seemed to take it kind of the most seriously and put plenty of thought into it. And I know you've enjoyed it, but it has been a lot of hard work and it resulted in a win. So bravo to you, Kevin Blake, because your your passion for it and Jamie's as well, you know, that's what this series needs. And you really committed to it and it provided the result we all wanted in terms of a close finish. So kudos to you, Kev. Yeah, it was, it was great fun. It was a lot more fun this year. You know, the first two years were pretty miserable. You know, the concept was getting hammered at every turn and, like from a personal point of view, like I just I just didn't have anything to do. Like I, I didn't have any decisions to make because the trainers that I had just weren't entering horses. So like I rarely had a decision to make, whereas this year was brilliant. There was a lot more buy-in. Like I think people are more familiar with it. Trainers were more game to have a go. And like there in the, in the last three or four weeks, I was getting kind of 60, 65 entries per week for the team that needed to be whittled down to 14. So like the the it was probably more work than I would have liked it to be, but I I enjoyed it. It's like playing championship manager with, with the horses, you know, um and sure like the main thing is I suppose it 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 whittled down to what was I dare say like objectively a really good sporting spectacle, like it was it was very to and fro, and it came right down to the last race, came down to heads and noses amongst the the the, the horses out in the backwash to yeah. to decide who won, and um. 
look, it, it felt really good this year, the competition. Like, I think people have bought into it more. Um, you were there, you, you can, you'd be more, a more unbiased observer than me. Like, I felt the race score experience has been very buzzy all year. You know, they've mostly been at smaller tracks. Um, and like, the, it made for a really good atmosphere, a really involved audience. And, um, yeah. like, I'd like to think it, it, it's turned the corner. You know, I, I think, think people, I've I think people it. appreciate what it is now. You know, yeah. it's 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 really competitive racing in an otherwise very quiet midweek slot. I think people are betting on it more. They, you know, they're, they're even buying in more so to the team concept than that. So, um, look, hopefully it can drive on from here because God knows the people behind it, um, ha have well earned a bit a bit of better a bit more positivity and a bit more support because by god they they went through the absolute mill with this the first two years they really did they've really stuck with it and also what i like about the racing league the people behind the racing league is they took on board the criticism not just the downright negativity about put it in the bin criticism but they took on board the more helpful feedback and they developed the series as they've gone and more changes will probably be made for next season, but they'll drive on with it. And that's what I like is it's it's a developing thing, but it's getting better every year. And I was there obviously on the final day and it definitely felt like a quite a buzzy atmosphere. And the race course Southern did a lot for the customer experience to try and make it a more interesting and engaged experience. Um, and TC, I know you've got some figures for us, not only on the financing of the Racing League, but also on the attendance figures, which pre the series kicking off this year, um, I think there was quite a negative article about the numbers in regards to it in the Racing Post. I, I'm hopeful that those attendance figures are, are on the improve. It feels like they should be. Yeah, well, obviously, we don't know about how it was received betting-wise. I think it's a ridiculous concept, but um, the but you, you must you must like big fields, you know, 12, 14 runner fields. No, no, the... not at those kind of tracks. I mean, like, I mean, I'll come on, like, I mean, all weather, I don't really bet on. So for me, it's from a personal point of view, I just I can't abide the actual concept, but there's no decrying, you know, the 50, 100 grand races, double figure fields this year is got to be a positive. So that's, you know, we'll deal with that, but the, we'll deal with the facts now because, like, we don't know how it's been received. We don't know the viewing figures, but what we do know from the uh, the levy board site, we do know the attendance figures. Now, the piece you referred to, uh, Vanessa, last year, uh, last um, at the start of the um, start of this year's racing league, Lee Martin did a piece saying it's absolutely ridiculous that only 7,935 people attended all six fixtures last year. Now, we've got the figures for the five of the six meetings. We haven't got Subble coming through yet because there's a bit of a delay on the levy board site getting this facts. And we should mention that there were free tickets going around right, left and centre. You know, I saw the mirror, you know, chucking out 20,000 tickets and stuff like that. And we should also point out that some of these tracks are at the arse end of nowhere. I mean, like getting to Yarmouth, I mean, mm. you should be paid 100 quid to attend. You get in there if you're driving and stuff like that. But the, figures, from Ireland. <laughs> the figures, I mean, like, see, even like Chepstow and the like, but I mean, the biggest field we've got, the biggest attendance we got was Windsor, which is 3,551. The lowest was Chepstow, uh, 1,475. So of the five, uh, and I don't know whether this incorporates free attendance, but we've so far after five fixtures, you've got 11,908, which is obviously already a massive increase on last year. Like I said, I don't know how many of those were actually paid for. 
So and that's felt busy, and obviously that number's still to add in. Is it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you could if that's as busy as you're saying, you could get up to fifteen thousand. So you could get near to a doubling of the attendance figures. So obviously that's a positive. And I think a wider issue is for these kind of tracks getting them in on a Thursday night. I think raise, I think free attendance is way to go or massively reduced. Um, so that's good. I mean, Wolverhampton got a really good crowd on a Thursday night there, and that's normally as dead as a dodo, isn't it? And, and that looked pretty, pretty, pretty good on site. So that's 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 a positive. So I think attendance figures are good. I think free attendance is the way to go. Um, I was at um, Andrew Black held a World Horse Welfare Poker Night on Saturday night, and obviously there was a lot of quite a racing, a lot of racing people there, and someone mentioned. Um, the racing league on around the tables and um and we got to we got to talking about how is it funded because obviously you're putting on 50 50 100 grand races art wouldn't be you know when it comes to prize money across the board they wouldn't be punchy they're probably punching the likes of newbury and obviously you've got the likes of kevin to pay for i wouldn't think you get much out oh, of 50 imagine grand. much out of 50 grand there to Tory, we know he he charges fifty grand to go to bloody Listow. So <laughs> getting in for getting in for six six days. I know he didn't turn up for half of them, and I met. I'll I'll take about a thousand that he didn't uh, he didn't do all the race planning for his team. But yeah, I mean it, it, it doesn't. So we got around to talking about how do these figures actually stack up because there's a lot of investment here. So I asked the levy board uh, for a statement this morning. Uh, and they got back to me because I just said there must be money coming in from the sport because I've never heard anything about how this is all funded. Um, and they come back to me. I'll read it out totally. Yes, we provided funding in 2023. So presumably they didn't previously. Basically, is it is now classified as a normal fixture by BHA in its fixture list as opposed to being a self-funded fixture. So that's changed this year, presumably. Our policy is that funding follows what we would do for other fixtures like this. So we provided our rate card prize money funding. What we pay is linked to what each course puts in. So presumably they're kind of matching what ARC are putting in. For the four racing lead fixtures in criteria slots with the two non-criteria fixtures, i.e. where these are surplus to optimum betting requirements, paid at 50% of normal rate values. Um, I asked, can I quote you publicly? And they said, yeah, no issue with this being a public domain. I've never heard that said before anywhere else. So that would that would go a long way to, to saying where all this money is coming from. So if the sport have bought into it, they'll be very pleased about the attendance figures. But I imagine there'll be more kind of like uh, more be more critique about the attendance figures, uh, the betting figures. Uh, from bookmakers and they will obviously be looking at uh, the TV kind of like uh, crowds it's pulling on on Sky Sports Racing on ITV Racing as well so because the levy board are involved I think you'll get more scrutiny this year but the positive signs are that it's um, it seems to be progressing the big just, question just on, a, just on a related issue quickly well, Vanessa it's, yeah. it's interesting that, that it's now um, now Counts as we'll say a, a proper part of the BHA fixture list rather yeah. than um, self-funded. Because an issue that came up now and it's 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 getting quite punchy behind the scenes is that when the racing league was created, the NTF decided not to count any prize money won by trainers in the racing league for the trainers championship, and that was fair enough at the time because in year one it was the number of trainers was capped. 
you know, you only were allowed so many on a team, so it wasn't strictly accessible to everyone. That's changed since last year. And what we found this year was that so the very biggest trainers that, that are involved in the competition were actually reluctant to have runners because they felt if they were in the hunt for the championship, that they'd rather run in non-racing league races rather than potentially, you know, doing handicap marks, winning racing league races. And it's been put forward that, look, it really should be part of the trainers' championship now because the racing league is open to all trainers and it's, you know, part of the handicap system, etc. And the race, the, the other point is the racing league's presence probably weakens non-racing league races around them. Um, so like I, I think that that could be a bit of a flashpoint soon enough now because there, there there's been some resistance from the NTF I believe um, about allowing the racing league um, uh, prizes into the championship which seems which seems wrong to me. Yeah, it seems seems a little odd. Um, last question to you, TC, on this is the big one everyone actually wants to know the answer to is um, who won the poker game. I don't know. I left about 12 o'clock and it was still, there were two final tables still going there. So uh, I haven't found out. Yeah, you had a, you had a bad you had a bad beat. You had a I, I, I went all in on an ace-king suited and I got chinned by a pair of kings. Who was it? Uh, I think it was Bert's vet. <laughs> oh, is his, is his name Pat? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, and uh, <laughs> because he knocked me out, I'm going to go and investigate the... Uh, the anabolic steroid uh, problem at Trace Farm. <laughs> oh, gee, oh, yeah. I hope he's got 840 grand to pay for his costs. <laughs> it, it, it sounds like a very jolly night, TC. And actually, though, all that, all those figures and numbers is very interesting in regards to the racing league. Um, onwards and hopefully upwards for that idea. We'll, we'll have to get Calvin as a manager next year. What team would you like to manage, Tony? You'd love that. Um... Wouldn't that be fun? I'd the, love the, the ironic thing is, I guarantee you, you'd actually enjoy. Well, you might enjoy having to uh, all the pain in the arse with all the trainers, but the, the actual process and like like whittling down the entries to runners, I reckon you, you'd really enjoy it. It's I've a, got very, a free word response to that. Uh, Would I fuck? <laughs> <laughs> just just make sure just make sure it keeps coming down to the last. That's the NFL, but it doesn't matter who wins once it comes down to the last play. That's what engages people. Nice. Yes. Yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, Brendan, a few other topics to talk about. Mm. Uh, Harry Burns, the jockey. Yeah. Um, we want to talk about him. Harry Burns um, suffers with Crohn's disease, which means yeah. that he has to live on medication medication that he is allowed to ride mm. with um under the bha rules but he just has to declare it and mm. earlier this year he didn't declare it and so he's now been given a two-month ban for not declaring said medication um he's been given an entry point ban from the bha a lot of yeah. people are saying it seems very unfair the poor lad's yeah. got Crohn's disease and he's trying his best and it's not medication you're not allowed to ride under it's just sort of human error that he didn't declare it when he should have done but mm. the bha have given him what i think is the bare minimum ban and the rules are the rules right so i'm not yeah. sure what side of the fence do you sit on here? Well, well, I mean, it's, it's it's nearly impossible not to have sympathy for him. I mean, that's a terrible affliction that that Crohn's disease, and I can completely understand why his head was spinning. Uh, and oh, okay, so much to think about how the, the implications this is going to have on his life and his career. 
that it, it, a, an oversight makes complete sense. I mean, how, how could you even think straight in, in, in that space? And uh, But you do have to have guidelines. And I don't know how much you know about endurance sports, Vanessa, but there are these things called therapeutic use exemptions. And particularly in endurance sports, a really, really hot topic because people do kind of take the piss with them. Right. Um, and, and so so you do have, you, you know, you do have to have rules uh, around this. And they, they they gave him the minimum ban. And in fairness to him, he's been very magnanimous about it, I suppose. Um, having a disease like this put, put, puts things into perspective. You kind of feel like when, when you hear the whole story, all right, there's an entry level ban. Rules are rules. But in this case, with the story checks out, we know he wasn't doing it for any performance enhancing uh, reasons. With, with people, when you say Crohn's disease, they, they, it is a disease that, that resonates. They could have said, all right, well, in, in mitigation, the entry level is two months, but we'll give you two weeks. Uh, I, 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 I don't think that, that that would have been unreasonable either. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, any, any, good re- any good regulator should have discretion, and hmm. I defy anybody to read that and and not have the utmost sympathy with him. I mean, like... This this rule wasn't brought in for people with kind of like trying to work out the you know how they manage Crohn's disease. Now I've got a niece who's got Crohn's disease, and her life has just been just one big shit show because of this, because of the drugs you have to go on, steroids, etc. I mean, even I won't mention their name because I don't know if it's in the public domain. Even a very prominent racing TV presenter has got Crohn's disease, and it, it it takes some managing. So read that report and tell me that two months is is proportionate i'm not having it i think it was a pretty disgraceful even the panel pulled out seven mitigating factors and they still gave him two months now they could have turned around and say yeah this is the minimum entry point but like i said any regulator that worth their salt should have a level of discretion in their punishment and they should have turned around and say because of these seven mitigating factors at the opposite side of it there were 10 kind of like aggravating factors i'll say that but yeah, I'm. 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 Can't be having it because I mean, I personally got some experience in the in this kind of similar type area when I was on steroids because I had some. Um, I was on a course of really strong steroids for three months last year because I had um, a bad reaction to the um, uh, 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 the how can I put this a bad reaction to the chemotherapy that I was on, right. and one of that be, resulted in me having a drug called glycoside. Now I should have informed the dvla and i wouldn't been able to drive if my sugar levels were above a certain levels every time i got in the car and i didn't do that hopefully they won't retrospectively ban me but um it's it's something you don't think about you get on with your everyday life and you don't think about informing people because if a gp gives you a drug you just think fine i'll crack on from there they clearly should have you know informed the bha but jesus christ have a heart me two months yeah, it's it's one of those where look, I think pretty much everyone would have sympathy with, with Harry here. Of course. Um, but from from a regulatory point of view, I suppose like the 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 the, the response is always like, right? Do you want consistency, black and white, or do you want a common sense provision? Because you can't have both. And look, maybe the BHA will have a look at this rule and have a look at their entry points. Um, so that they have provision for a bit more common sense in a case like this, where they clearly gave him the punishment, apologize, and you know, reading between the lines. Um, but look, the entry point is the entry point. If that's the absolute minimum they had to give him for the offense, and it was an offense, 
and for all that everyone can understand exactly what happened that there that there was no bad intentions um that their hands were tied a little bit but um look you always hope that when you get you know bad examples like this that um Brendan's old phrase you know lessons will be learned and and they might make some appropriate adjustments to the entry points um you know not so that they can go easier on people but that in a case like this where you can really see yeah. the reality of it that they have provision to to give a, a relative slap on the wrist rather than two months off work which it which is which is clearly really hardy absolutely um and our sympathies of course do go out to harry i think he's already said that you know he's just going to take the two-month hit there's not much you can do about it and then come back for the all-weather season um here in the uk and hopefully he'll be able to pick up his riding career where he left it good luck to him but on that note we have run out of time guys we have run out of time. We've rattled through nearly all the points we had to discuss, but we will call it a day for now. Um, thank you, Brendan, Tony and Kevin, as always. Listeners and viewers out there, thank you for joining us. Um, join us again on Thursday, where we will be back with Racing Only Better. Hopefully we the boys can continue in the relatively good form they're in, specifically Kevin and Daryl after last week's successes. But for now, thank you very much as always for joining us. Enjoy your week. Have a good one. And like I say, join us again on Thursday. <laughs>